Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. There you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title free, and get started listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct Live Edition this evening. I am your host, J-Mac. I am joined by the famous Kyle Beats and JB. What's going on, fellas? J-Mac, we're back in the studio for another week, a little bit more somber than last week's performance on the books. But hey, we, we do it every week. Rise and shine. We take the licks. We're here for the listeners. We know it's... um. Never going to go a thousand percent, but when you're that wrong on a team like uh, I personally was on Michigan, you certainly have to own up to it. You and me both, buddy. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I had to go back and listen to see what that predicted score was, and that was a 37-10, so we were just just a hair off, but you know, the these things way. happen. It was just the wrong way. <laughs> right, but we are seeing, I think we're seeing NFL clear as day, man. Uh, you know, 3-0 three, three and o when we include J-Max picking there for San Fran, and uh, really happy about how that's going. It just comes down to how hard college is to uh to predict man i mean you're betting on 19 and 20 year old kids exactly. look you're, you're also looking at a much bigger slate too which sure, you know, yeah. nfl you know we got bye weeks now rolling in i mean it's pretty easy when you can keen in on 13 games over a, then there's one on thursday you know you got maybe 11 10 11 on sunday then monday night even end of the year you got saturday games you, you, college football i mean it seems like it's almost every week once we hit the conference action with Mac going on. So college football is a grind in its own right. And certainly to your point, Kyle, trying to understand where 19 and 20 year olds heads are at. And guess what? I don't have their test schedules every time. <laughs> right. Every time hey. you feel like you got a good read on a team, you're watching it. And then, then in the fourth quarter, Kirk Herbstreet tells me that the starting quarterback had three biochem tests that week. That is what a good point. Is that? Kirk, yeah, bring it up on game day, homie. Don't tell me at 9 p.m. when I've already locked in seven things eight years in. Exactly. Like, I need to know that Ian Book had four, you know, mid quarter tests that day or that week, or rather than, yeah, that's ridiculous. And that's at Notre Dame, but yes, exactly. I'm not worried about SEC schools, they don't, those kids don't go to school, but. You know, I, I feel really good that I picked Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to be just transparent with our listeners as always. Um, as soon as we got off the air, these two guys can uh, testify that I was skeptical on that pick and started doubting myself. But nevertheless, I did uh, did choose Wisconsin. And, you know, that game comes down to a couple of things. But do you guys look at it more of Wisconsin as the more talented team and outplayed them because they're better in the trenches? Or was this Harbaugh kind of showing his true colors is he's maybe not the coach we thought he was. Harbaugh sucks. That game plan sucked. I <laughs> said, said there Michigan would win this game as long as they didn't do everything I said they wouldn't do, which was line up in the eye formation and try yep. to run it down their throat. They didn't key in on the run. You faced all run teams leading up to that game. Were you were you shocked that Jonathan Taylor was getting a ball every play? I just I couldn't understand it. They didn't start to air the ball out till the second half, and then what happened? 
underthrown balls. Points. They were winning. They were getting pass interference. I mean, it is it was not rocket science. Um, if you did some reading, though, after the game, it seems like there's been issues with Shea Patterson in that locker room. Yep. Um, and it's kind of tough because, you know, to your point, you never hear about this stuff till after the fact. And it's part of the trouble with handicapping these games is you just don't know it. So mm-hmm. it sounds like it's there, there was a reason he wasn't voted a team captain as a fifth-year senior. Um, that's I that's just, a big deal. That is a big deal. He's a Harbaugh guy, but I don't think the locker room likes Shea or Harbaugh. So we're in an interesting spot with Michigan. I just don't even think they're going to sniff the top 25 by the end of the year. And honestly, you know, they should just be lucky to get into a bowl game at this point. But I mean, do you guys really? Th- so, I mean, look, so uh, all that being said, is Harbaugh your guy going forward? Where are we at with that? I mean, I mean, I know what you feel like, but like, do you think Michigan loses faith? I think we've always looked at this yes. as he has the, the ball, uh, the job there as long as he wants it. I don't know about that now. Well, I think, I think you're looking at Matt Campbell from Iowa State coming in there, if not this year, the next year. Guy who knows the area, how to recruit. Right. Uh, certainly would fit in well with the Michigan Boosters. Very well respected amongst college football. So but that that's gets- the name I'd watch. I'm not a hardball guy. I don't know how his career – his career has followed Colin Kaepernick. You go from Super Bowl to not in the NFL to you're just trying to skate by the college. I mean, he's kind of having a weird trajectory on where his career – I don't know where he goes next. Would but anyone give him a Power Five school at this point? Probably not. I don't know. It's hard to say. Power I mean, that's Five school, point. probably not, unless yeah. you're talking about like a Les Miles to Kansas type of situation, right? And the thing is, too, like you've got to think that. I mean, there were just so many times where he just wasn't really. It didn't feel like he was aware of what was going on. But but I guess the other part of this though is that like. If you really think about the coaches he had before, you had Rich Rod, you had Brady Hoke. Like none, those guys were way worse than he's been, and he's got a way better record so far than they had. So I mean, like true that. And, and the other part of that too is like he's your guy. He's the Michigan guy. Like he, that was, you know, like I don't know. I just I feel like his leash is probably longer than we feel like. I don't think they're going to rush to make a change. I really it, don't. His leash is very long, and but it can only go so far. Sure. What, he, what happens against Ohio State at the end of the year, whether they're seven and five, nine and three, whatever it is, that's going to be a big deal. I don't think they're going to struggle for a bowl game as Jason does. Obviously, they're, I guess, not technically eliminated from uh, the playoffs, but I mean, for all intents and purposes, based on these performances, they are. So, oh, you know, that shows that shows that was a terrible pick by Jay Mack and myself. Yeah, I'll own it. I mean, they'd have to, what, run the table pretty darn convincingly? Yeah, I don't even want to go even, down that rabbit hole because yeah. it's not going to happen. But I, That's no. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, sure, I guess they're not technically eliminated, but uh, I mean, then. Hmm. So uh, the interesting contract details, you know, on Harbaugh, um, $7.5 million buyout. After the year 2020, that that moves to $10 million. Um so if you're going to buy them out, you do it this year, basically. Correct. That's kind of the way I'm reading that. So I would say, to your guys' point, I think there's going to be a probably a pretty deep look into where they want to go. But it's all relative to the market, too. If there's not someone out there that you feel is better yeah. um, in, and not going to – I mean, you look at when Georgia Tech. I mean, someone had to take over that program with all whatever offense you want to call that in today's college football landscape i mean that is such a rebuilding process you got to give that guy almost four years here's four full recruiting classes before we're going to start to judge you because they're going complete spread offense yeah you got triple option recruits out there playing spread and i mean you're talking about arguably the worst 
power five team. Uh, yeah, probably. They're, they're, they're pretty bad. So this but is I, and this is Harbaugh's third year, right? Or fourth? I think, it, I think it's fourth or fifth. Wow, that's I, crazy. I, well, I have to look that up. But I do, I do like your call, Jason. Uh, is it Matt Campbell? The Iowa is that the Iowa yeah. State coach's name? I, yeah, I like that because there is something too, as you said, knowing how to recruit a region of the country and knowing how to build a team for a specific conference. Yeah. Like when you when you build a team for the Big Ten, it starts it starts in the offensive and defensive line because um, you don't really have the perimeter player access that you do in California or in the Deep South. That's but um, I do like I do like that call. That would obviously be a big step up. I mean, that guy might love Iowa State, but you're leaving Iowa State for Michigan ten times out of ten. But we've seen that program. We talked about it last week. Really, um, really on the come up, and it's been pretty consistent these last few years. So. I think it's possible, but to J Max point, even when we think Harbaugh should be out, I don't know if Michigan's going to let him out, although so. <clears throat> or, or release him. I do think he's starting to lose the locker room, and he's known fan that. base is definitely split, and, and you could feel you can feel that pressure and tension building. And he looks lost on the sideline; like mm-hmm. he constantly is just like looking around, like mouth breathing, like kind of confused. Just, yeah, like, he doesn't know what's going on. It's like. This guy's just being out coached left and right in the Big Ten. Yeah, can we get a can we get a job description on the guy who's always carrying around that cord for him, dude? Yeah, I w- <laughs> I want to know more about that. Uh, as soon as I saw that happening consistently, that's actually Kyle. I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted out a video. It was by halftime offering JB and I services to be head coach slash offensive coordinator. I don't even care. Like, which one? You can be the head coach. I don't care. I just want us in there to fix it because he didn't know what the hell was happening. And that guy with the cord was not Throw jump balls to your two wide receiver, two NFL wide receivers that have about six inches on both their corners and just see what happens. Just throw it up. You running it into a brick wall every every play was not working just love it up to an nfl player that's being guarded by a non-nfl player instead of running into the teeth of 300 pound guys weird how your best players make plays weird and i I will give credit is it jonathan taylor the running back that was just running downhill Yeah, he's gonna be in the heisman mix man yeah i don't Uh, know i I like him i like uh chuba from okay state i think he could maybe get himself in the mix if he puts up some you know big 12 type of stats but you know transitioning to the Georgia Notre Dame game. Uh, my guy Swift, not quite the numbers I was expecting him to put up, but still, still really solid, uh, really solid game. Had some great runs, and I have to come on here and apologize to Notre Dame. I mean, they they showed out. They looked good. They weren't overmatched. I do think there was a little bit of Georgia not taking them seriously, the same way uh, my TCU pick, uh, which blew up in my face. I don't think they took SMU seriously. And Jason, I don't want to hear the word Shane Bouchelle come out of your mouth because that guy just <laughs> tore them apart. But they 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 are a better team, and they win that game nine times out of ten. They just didn't play well. And the, that's the first time I've seen Gary Patterson get out coach, and it was terrible. But um, back to the Notre Dame game, I was really impressed by what I saw by them. I think they'll handle Virginia pretty handily this week, and they have a good chance to win 10 or 11 games this year. Well, I mean, I guess that's a nice segue into our first college football preview. We do have uh, the Virginia Cavaliers heading on the highway to Notre Dame, 2.30 kick. Uh, Virginia last week, uh, 28-point favorites, went into halftime down 17-0 to Old Dominion, uh, which is probably a team that you scheduled in your non-conference to beat up on if you play the NCAA football game back in the day. Um this is an interesting matchup. First of all, it looks like there could be some weather this weekend kind of across the United States, uh, which I think is always something to factor in college football. Um, but to your point, Notre Dame's defense looked much improved. We kind of yes. talked about 
uh, Louisville and how they exploited them in the run game. In after watching last week, how they were able to control Swift to a degree. Mm-hmm. My concern now is Notre Dame's defense has they have they figured it out how to stop the run, or is it running quarterbacks that give them an issue? Because Bryce Perkins for Virginia, I mean, he's really a one-man wrecking crew for what Virginia is looking to do. Um, They haven't really played anyone, I guess, to this point. I was taking a look. I mean, they haven't faced too many defenses that would necessarily scare you. So, um, Kyle, do you think that Notre Dame's figured out their run defense issues, or will Bryce Perkins find some success uh, on the highway? So I think they figured it out to a degree. I mean, those those guys are going to put it on tape and certainly make improvements, but that doesn't change the talent level. I still think that that could be an issue, and I think they're going to have trouble um, containing the QB. That being said, the point you made last week, which I wasn't as aware of until I really watched that Georgia game, is Notre Dame's got a hell of a secondary. So I think what you can do against Virginia, not having the greatest athletes on the outside, probably some three-star guys instead of four or five, is – you can pretty much go one-on-one and trust your athletes out there and, and load a little bit more in the box or have those safeties maybe 10, 12 yards off line of scrimmage instead of 15, 20. So I think that's going to be a big deal as these outside linebackers and these safeties playing containment. I think he'll bu- break a few big runs, but overall I think Virginia is going to be outclassed in this game. I'm seeing the line somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 and a half. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, so for the line-wise, you're kind of spot on. We got the 12-and-a-half range. Um, what's been kind of beat down is the over-under to what I mentioned with the rain. In the forecast, been pushed down from 52 to 48-and-a-half. Well, wow, um, a big move. That's a big yeah, move. Yeah, it is a big move, but the, the weather in college definitely has to be a factor. And uh, one interesting point from – I watched that Virginia game last week because it was weirdly nationally televised, and I'm just psychotic in that way. Um, their starting center had a hand issue, which much of why they struggled in the first half, he couldn't really snap it. If you want, there's awkward exchanges. Uh, if you played center, that's a big deal. If you're snapping hands injured, so they moved right. him to guard that kind of fixed everything. They put in the backup center that helped, but the backup center left l- late last week as well. So, um, something to monitor because if they're, <laughs> they're going with a true freshman at center and a banged up starting center at guard, um, I'm just I think Notre Dame can kind of feast there. Uh, interesting kind of point to watch. Brian Kelly loves to get Ian Book into space and on the run. Yes. Um, Georgia shut that down, obviously, with athletes, but mainly because they run a 3-4 defense, which if you've ever tried to run the option read versus a 3-4 defense makes it a little bit harder on the quarterback just with the spacing and speed. So Virginia also runs that. So to your point, Kyle, I think the best way for Notre Dame to attack the Cavaliers' D, it's going to be downfield. Ian Book's going to have to have a big day throwing it, but there is rain and wind that can really deplete it. So uh, something to track if you guys are looking to lay anything on this game. I think Notre Dame, 12 and a half, good number. They should probably win this by two touchdowns or more. Yeah. But if there is weather, if Ian's not able to get it downfield, if you've ever watched a game live in Notre Dame or on TV in that weather, J-Mac, I'm sure you can attest to this, it can get pretty muddy and sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> down yeah. there quickly so right. if that happens I, i'm very interested in the under right the under and i think even the the spread is a little bit high there in that case because i mean you're gonna have a lot more running like it's just gonna be gr- trying to grind the clock in that situation it just changes the elements a lot and i think you know that could even be a, an underdog type of spot but i would still stay away from that go go the under if it was you know if the the weather shakes out like we think there i, I like the under um I'm maybe I think weather plays a part, maybe not as much as as you guys are 
put an emphasis on it. I do not in, understand. In the college, yeah, right. <laughs> I do not this, understand this, your takes with weather, dude. Weirdest I just don't take. understand no, them. <laughs> I think it matters more in college than pro, though, for sure. And I mean, well, yeah, you don't have the um, option of having an indoor stadium either. Well, when you can, when you're throwing the ball about ten to fifteen miles per hour slower than an NFL quarterback, yeah, it's going to uh, do yeah, a little wind more. comes a into point. a factor. Go yeah. outside and throw a throw a football, lob one in the severe wind, and then throw a dart. It's different. I yeah. promise. I'm convinced I got a stronger arm than Ian Book, but I digress. Um, if if anything here, I like the under kind of. I, I would definitely favor Notre Dame 12 and a half. The 12 and a half versus a 13 or a 14 is a big deal. Um, that's kind of a, a good number to lock in at 12 and a half. I definitely, definitely like a tease potential here of just six points. You know, get a minus 120 on a tease to get Notre Dame down to six and a half. So all I got to do is win by a touchdown. Maybe get that under up to 54 and a half, 55. Uh, that, I would be feeling pretty confident about that. I do think Virginia is a much improved program. So um, kudos to uh, to my man. Uh, what's his name? I love God. He's got such a good name, the Virginia coach. Uh, not Tony Bennett. He does basketball. I know. Uh, God dang it. I can't think of his name right now, but kudos to Virginia. I mean, they've turned that program around much like we talked about, like Iowa State doing, but this is just, a, this is a game where they're going to be outclassed. You're talking about Bronco Mendenhall, by the way. Bronco. Yeah, there we go. I Former love that BYU name. great. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, awesome. One, one thing to track on this, because we have seen this with Notre Dame and Brian Kelly. Um, he does understand based on their schedule. He does kind of have to blow out teams to make it to the college football playoffs. Yes. So he's had no issue in the past with keeping his foot on the pedal. Running it up. Right. And if you look at the schedule, um, I, they have Bowling Green next week, but then their only two challenges after that are, are going to be USC, which I don't consider a challenge considering they're looking at their fifth string quarterback at this rate. <laughs> um, and then Michigan, who that's going to be the biggest cakewalk of the year. So um, <laughs> at this point, when you're breaking down the schedule, I, I'm just – from their thought, hey, we have a one-possession loss versus probably a team that's going to be in the college football playoff discussion. If we can go out and blow out everyone else from here, they're going to be in a really good position. So this is one of their possible last games versus a ranked team mm -hmm. because I don't know in three to four weeks if Michigan's ranked or if USC's ranked with another loss. So I think you're going to see that urgency from Brian Kelly and his coaching staff going, hey, we had a tough game last week. So did Virginia. Hey guys, this might be our last ranked opponent. We we got to put on a shelling. So I, I have no problem laying the twelve and a half here, trusting Brian Kelly and this team to get it done. Uh, trust and Brian Kelly are just not two words that typically go together. But I, I <laughs> think I'm with point. you here. I think yeah, I'm let with me you. ask you guys this real quick: Who, what team is better right now, USC or Michigan? Michigan, mm, Michigan for sure. I, I, I yeah, well, well, much aligned Clay. Yeah, well, we'll have uh, plenty of time to talk about USC whenever they hire Urban Meyer, which should be any day now. Yeah, that's pretty odds-on favorite. I mean, it's pretty hefty favorite out out in the desert. Yep. Well, from two ranked teams to uh, another team on a national title hunt, Ohio State heads on the highway to Nebraska, the Cornhuskers. Ohio State's a 17-point favorite, you guys. This number in the offseason was only seven. So we've seen dramatic movement and an over-under of 66, 67. That's kind of moving down with, as I mentioned, some more weather in the forecast for this Saturday. So again, you guys, if you're looking to lock in over under, something seems too good to be true. Take 10 seconds, Google, you know, Athens, Georgia weather or whatever game, you know, Nebraska Cornhuskers weather, because you don't want to be caught in that. Uh, Man, two I teams here, Nebraska coming in with a lot of hype. 
I know, J-Mac, you're very familiar with quarterback for Ohio State, Justin Fields, and following his career and trajectory. Where do you see this game? What's your thoughts? Dude, so I'll, I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that we definitely underestimated Ryan Lay as the coach at, at Ohio State. He is killing it. He has missed no no beat whatsoever when it comes to replacing urban meyer i like justin fields in this game i think they're going to cover that easily honestly i don't i i think i don't know whenever we look at nebraska i'm not really sure that they're the real deal i need to see more on that before i really am sold on that and still a 17 point line against them is really heavy so i mean that 17 is a lot you know on the road and nebraska was a ranked team coming into the year that that's why that line started off at seven but Grand, you know, given what we've seen these first few weeks, Ohio State has looked absolutely fantastic. As you said, Justin, I think you and I both slept on them a little bit. I'm not going to, you know, lose my mind because you beat Miami by 70 points or whatever. But Miami know, they, they, of Ohio, chill out. Miami of I Ohio. I understand it's Miami of Ohio. It's the University of Miami. I understand it's not the U, but I'm, I'm just saying I don't put too much stock in that. But Nebraska has been unimpressive. I mean, yeah. You know, that that game against Colorado is just like, okay, this team's clearly overrated again. You know, the NCAA wants Nebraska to be good so bad because they're a very profitable school. They're stuck in the, the 80s and 90s, though. Like, Big Red and that brand is just not what it once was, and it's not even close. And Scott Frost is in over his head a little bit. Uh, but I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's got to get some of his guys in there yeah. and turn it around and get that recruiting class to, you know, where – uh, where he wants it to be because when he took over UCF, you know, I'm not breaking news here, but they were like, what, 0-12 the year before, and then we saw where he took them to. Like, if you can do that at UCF, you can do that at Nebraska. It's just going to take time. Definitely. Um, but I think he's in over his head a little bit right now, and I think they're going to lose this game big. I would I would lay the 17. I would almost look at, like, an alternate line at, like, 19 or 20 and try to get some plus money. Yeah. I yeah. Like so I'll continue with your negative Nebraska narrative. So that's the way you guys want to go here. Um, Nebraska's had awful turnover issues. I think they're like minus eight so far year to date. Mm-hmm. O lines led up 10 sacks, 31 runs for losses. Ohio State's number two in the nation and uh, lo- minus plays on rush rushes, which Nebraska loves to do. Um, but I'm going to flip the switch here. I absolutely love what we're seeing out of Nebraska in this situation. I'm sorry, I'm getting 10 points here. The teams haven't changed. Adrian Martinez, one of the most explosive players in college football. And Ohio State's always been susceptible to the explosive play because one of their ego, they have no problem doing press man coverage and letting you go over the top. Um, Happened against Purdue last year. Yep. And Nebraska is a huge home field advantage. This is a fan base, one of the more prouder fan bases, a fan base that fired Bo Patino because he was going 10 and two every year and they thought they should be 12 and 0. Right. So unbelievable. This is a dedicated fan base that has gone through a little bit of hardships. Um, Scott Frost is not over his head in any stretch. It's probably one of the, I'd say, top five coaches in college football. I don't even think it's close. Maybe he's uh, a top five coach, but that roster is not going to. Yeah, not gonna he's get it had done this one year. full recruiting class. That's right. his. He yeah. has taken advantage of uh, the junior college program the same way SMU has done with their transfers in, such as Shane Bouchelle. And what we're wow. going to see. What a burn. <laughs> what we're going to see on Saturday night is an electric atmosphere. And when you're telling me that they have to beat them by three or more scores to cover, I'm taking Nebraska all day long in this line. Well, I certainly think Ohio State pulls it out, but Ohio State is fine letting off the gas in those situations, especially with 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, yeah. rain in the forecast. 
I'm going to trust the team that has a dedicated run game. In turnovers, those always seem to regress to the mean. They've had terrible luck. I say this pretty much every week. You have a team that just, I mean, they keep losing games or having close games due to that turnover rate. And what happens if they don't blow the lead in Colorado? I mean, they were up like 20 points to Colorado two weeks ago and ended up losing in overtime. If they don't blow that game, there's no way this thing's in double-digit land. So, I mean, that's fair, but I can see this game being 21-31 or 24-31 with like seven or eight minutes left, and Ohio State's still winning by three touchdowns. Like, I just think I'm going to take the team that has 25 NFL players versus the team that has five. Yeah, and that's fair, uh, but it's college football. This is Justin Fields. This is a – I still need to see Justin Justin Fields. They they haven't played anyone, and Ryan Day reopened up the quarterback competition the week of um, the first week of the season because he was so fed up with Justin Fields. So that dude is incredible. He could have started as a true freshman and been just as well. So I'm interested with him heading on the road. First true real test for him. And Ryan Day, a first-year head coach. I just think there's another aspect here. So, I mean, to your point, can – should Ohio State cover? Probably, but maybe the first half's a way to look as well. Yeah. Just with that rocking atmosphere, grab 10, 10 and a half. You know, I don't want to get into that situation. Yeah, I like that. Turnover bug bites them. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great game, one to tune in. And I think it's a good measuring stick for both teams. At the end of the day, I think it's going to be a game we walk away knowing a lot more about both. Agreed. Uh, specifically. I agree Same with that. Notre Dame, Virginia. Yes. I think that's, I mean, you don't have a lot of big games this week like that, but you have some very telling games that are going to help set the landscape really well. I'd agree. Well, as we started last week, uh, talking about college teams to barely a team that's elevated over college, the Miami Dolphins once again headed on the highway, and they did not cover again Mm -hmm. to our disc screen. So I know Kyle's favorite segment, Would You Lay It?, the Miami Dolphins, 16-and-a-half-point dogs. Are you trusting Phillip Rivers to – I'm going to put the words back in Kyle Beat's mouth. They're traveling across time zones. They're going from <laughs> West Coast to East Coast. Yeah, There's you're an talking early about kick for these wind guys. at 12 There's, miles per hour. <laughs> There's humidity. There's a hard rock cafe. There's these nightclubs <laughs> in Miami. And, oh, 17 points. Oh, my. So, Kyle, tell us where your head's at with uh, this cross-country travel that – Philip Rivers and his family of 15 are doing. Yeah. Oh my God. The dude, his family pictures are terrifying. They're all dressed in white. I mean, they all look identical. It's, it's truly horrifying. They all um, is this a 12 o'clock kickoff? 12 o'clock central? Yes. It is. Oh so my God. I'm taking the points. I'm taking the points. Time. I'm taking the points. Big deal, man. Yep. Um, I'm going to take the points this week. I think uh, I will too. I think that they're due to cover a little bit. 16, right? 16 and a half. Yeah. I'll take it. I'm I'll taking that. I, I, I'm going to take it, too. I mean, the Chargers, I mean, this is a team that got felt like dismantled by the Lions at home. They had Texans on the ropes, couldn't finish them off last week Terrible. and lost. I mean, again, I said every week, I love the Chargers roster. Hate Anthony Lynn. I think he's just an Terrible awful coach. coach in the NFL. So I, I, I don't trust that Anthony Lynn's going to be able to put a game plan together well enough to be able to cover this line. They'll just sit there and be like, oh, it, we're up we're up six to five in the fourth. Just run it. We're good. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Lynn is creeping into the Matt Patricia Bill O'Brien territory very quickly. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate Patricia. He's creeping into the Mike McCarthy territory. That's right. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
I think though that there's this. I don't know. I just think that there's this thing about the Chargers. Like they have like Keenan Allen for God's sakes, one of the best receivers in the game, and they're just not. He's had a heck of a year though. He, he has. has. Yeah, yeah, he, has. he looks great, but he's about the only person on that team that can do anything productive, and that comes down to game planning. Well, really I think they're, Melvin Gordon's supposed to report tomorrow, right? I saw that. Yeah, like that's back. what we're seeing. So if they if they make the mistake of trying to feed Melvin Gordon too much, I don't care how good a shape you're in. Everyone says it. All the talking heads. Game. NFL game shape versus, you know, being in elite shape, the two different things, man. Like Correct. he needs to get paced in at 10 to 15 carries. Um, if they try to give him a workload, I think that's going to backfire on them. And just watching that Houston game, man, if you can get a pass rush on Phil Rivers, man, his decision-making is just, it's always been a little erratic, but it's just terrible. And he always has that little, he's always had that little kind of sidearm floater, but as yep. he ages, it's just, the velocity on it is down and it, he makes throws. And I'm just like, good Lord. I can't believe this yeah. guy was a, you know, an all pro at one point. Uh, not a better way to get eased into a game plan than going down to South beach and facing a Miami dolphin team. So um, nine o'clock West coast time, man. Nine oh my gosh. You just can't, can't even fathom how they could wake up out of bed and play. I mean, Oh my God. There's not coffee or anything in South beach to wake <laughs> these guys up. Sounds bad. Who knows what kind of, Pagan rituals, Philip Rivers and his family have to do pregame. I, I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> from one NFL team that won't be in the playoffs to uh, two teams that we kind of predicted would at the start of the year, the one and two Eagles head head to Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra that's not frozen yet for Thursday night football. Packers ticked up and down around a four-point favorite, 46 over under. Um, Alshon Jeffrey's supposed to be back. Deshaun Jackson still ruled out for this game. Packers seem fairly healthy, relatively speaking, of course. Um, you know, Kyle, I'll let you get into this game first. I do want to know your thoughts because we know J Max on Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, but I gotta say, my tune's changed on Matt LaFleur. I, I like what he's been doing. Press conferences, he's taken all the blame. You know, he's not a guy that's pointing the finger, he's certainly willing to own up to it. Um, he, he, seems to be a really good players coach and the players outside of Rogers have had great things to say. And I really do respect an NFL head coach that even when winning isn't taking that glory. So um, where's your head at? They're three and O, but you could probably argue one of the more fraudulent three and O teams to this point with how games have played out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they've had a lot of situations and this has been, you know, brought up on several, several shows this week is, they've started off hot and they've just taken their foot off the gas. And I don't know if that's whether they're trying to come into their own with the, the offense, if they're trying to figure out, Hey, do we want to give Aaron Jones the ball? Do we want to give Jamal Williams? Rogers doesn't have, you know, a lot of options outside Devonte Adams. Uh, your boy, uh, Valdez Scantling had a big game last week. I still don't really trust him or Geronimo Allison. I think this is a team that's going to have to really rely on the defense a lot. Like the year they won the Super Bowl. differences. Aaron Rodgers is not 20, seven or 28 like he was that year mm -hmm. you know he's 35 36 and i think they're a fraudulent three and oh quite frankly a lot of people are kind of pinning them as like a top three nfc team which i just I, I don't see it that way quite frankly and then on the flip side i'm not ready to hit the panic button on the eagles whatsoever i know they're one and two they're they've so done injured, a lot dude. they're so injured that's the yeah they're thing. exactly they're so injured i mean and not having deshaun for this game is going to be a big deal i mean you get alshon back but you really want to have all those weapons for carson Wentz. i actually think carson Wentz has played decent and taken a lot of flack uh which i don't agree with the running situation has not been not been good and is doug peterson is he pulling the trigger and calling the plays for philly oh yeah oh yeah Doug. Yeah, Dougie, so, ever since he lost um 
the the two guys after the Super Bowl right. uh, coordinator went to the Vikings now and John D. Filippo and yep. I forget the other young man's name, but yeah, he, he's been taking that over. Yeah, I don't necessarily hate their offense or the plays that they're calling. I hate that the plays that they're calling in the situations that they call them. Right. Um, there, uh, there's been a lot of times where I've seen them like throw on first down throw on second down and then you get like into a third and seven and they do a draw or a sweep it's like they're trying to be too cute and it's like you know run the ball on first down let Carson Wentz try to make a throw on second I I think they're he's making a little harder than it needs to be um and the Phillies secondary quite frankly is is awful in my opinion and I think this will be the game where because Rogers stats haven't been good like if you watch it I mean he's right around 200 yards you know one or two touchdowns each game I think this is going to be his kind of 300-yard, three-touchdown breakout game because of that Eagles secondary. See, my take actually in this game is take the Packers, lay the point. It's an easy easy thing here. I would lay the points here for sure. Simply because, and JB brought this to my attention earlier in the week after they lost to the, uh, the Lions last week. I mean, the health is just such a big deal here. And I just don't, it doesn't, to your point, Kyle, I don't feel like Carson Wentz is playing with all the tools. And I don't think that that's going to change this week. And I think that the Packers have been... Okay, I think the biggest surprise of the NFL season so far is the fact that that division is wide open still. Yeah. Wide open. Those are four really good defenses. In I mean, yeah. very variable levels, but those are all four really good defenses in my opinion. But I'm definitely not ready. I'm still not ready to sell myself on the Packers defense. I think that they're kind of a fraudulent 3-0 and team like we talked about. And I think that, I, I don't know, I mean, whenever you're facing Mitch Trubisky in week one, it just they didn't. Uh, I mean, you know, say what you want. The Bears had a good game this past week, but at the end of the day, like, he didn't get it done, and that's really what matters, and he wasn't getting it done, and Green Bay was able to take a advantage of that. So, and I, you also have, on the offensive side for the Packers, you have an experienced game manager like Aaron Rodgers. That matters, regardless of, of how we feel here with where the Eagles are at. I think the play calling for the Eagles has been really cute, and I think that's dangerous. I really do, and I think you have yeah. to go with what works and what pieces work and where you're at right now. Yeah, so the, the Eagles got a couple issues, to, to your point, obviously injuries. A couple guys ruled out, as I mentioned, Deshaun Jackson, Timmy Jernigan, huge loss up the middle, uh, and Ronald Darby, arguably their number one corner. So I, I think those are some huge concerns. Um, looking back through last week, and I'm not going to give anyone any public attention that doesn't pay us to do it, um, but you go on my Twitter, I have a couple good lists there for NFL beat writers, and one for the Eagles did a great job of kind of breaking down um, how terrible Jordan Howard is um, and just an absolute great play with a huge hole that he, he consistently missed throughout the game. Yep. Uh, and that's been an issue. They need to get Miles Sanders more involved. Bears need to get David Montgomery more involved. And I get it. It takes a couple games with these rookie running backs to allow them to take the reins. But Jordan Howard's just been flat out awful. Um, I, I, you know, the Eagles can scheme so well compared to a lot of other teams where Jeffrey isn't necessarily the biggest issue, uh, not throwing the ball to Nelson Aguilar who drops it every other catch or attempt is probably a good idea, but you know, you look last week, um, and the run blocking for the Eagles or the run efficiency was the worst in week three. Uh, the run blocking was above average on pro football focus, but graded out runs were horrendous and it's mostly to do with Jordan Howard so um, I'm interested to see how this team fares this week I think the Eagles are in a nice teaser opportunity to get into 10 and a half because I think it is to your guys' point um, 
Packers haven't really blown anyone out. They're kind of, you know, taking, they, they love to run the ball, which we knew LaFleur did that in Tennessee. We understand that he, he likes Aaron Jones a lot. He's got Jamal Williams mixed in in the red zone quite a bit more than I expected. Yes, Jamal Williams been vulturing uh, fantasy owners away. And Valdez Scantley did have a nice game last week, mostly due to an offsides uh, jump where Rodgers spotted it, threw the ball deep. Valdez Scantley made a great play. And that's just not their offense anymore. So that's kind of a one-off situation. So another game similar to Nebraska and Ohio State where we're going to have a good measuring stick for what these two teams are. Uh, But I do think taking the points is interesting here. Um, But at the same time, Packers defense is definitely for real. This is finally a squad that Aaron Rodgers can lean on. But I just want to see is Rodgers kind of pass. I mean, I know he's 35 heading to 36. But has he kind of lost a step? He's lost some zip. We got to see it. We got to have yeah. the floor air him out because even last year when he was injured, he could still wing that football on one leg. So um, I, I need to see what both teams really are. But to your point, I'm not hitting the panic button on the Eagles. You got a lot of talent with this team. But um, I, I would say I'll, I'll take the Eagles with the points um, for mine. Where you got you guys are both heading with the Packers? Yeah, I'm laying. Yeah. I'm laying the points four or four and a half, whatever you're seeing it at. Um, I'm, I'm laying those points pretty confidently. Same. All right, fair enough. Well, to Sunday, we move to kind of two shocking teams heading in different directions. The Browns off to a one and two start, a very popular pick in the offseason. They head on the road to face Baltimore and hung tough at some points with Kansas City till some weather set in and uh, some awkward plays at the end of the game. But Baltimore, a minus seven point favorite over under a 45, which seems about right. Uh, sounds like the Browns will still be without their whole starting secondary, which they were out with last week. Hopefully they'll get Greedy Williams back, but that certainly seemed to prove issues for Cooper Cup, who was streaking wide open last week. Um, Kyle, are you more excited to see Lamar face basically a whole backup in a secondary versus the Browns, or what are you looking at this game? Dude, Lamar scoring 50 fantasy points in this almost guaranteed. Yeah. You know, I think it's been a common misconception all week with these recaps um, that I've listened to that the Browns secondary, hey, Browns defense played well, man. They look good. Even though it was all backups, they only gave up 20 points to the Rams. The Rams should have scored 40 points in that game. Golf was missing throws because dudes were freaking wide open. All three of those open. receivers. I mean, it was it was unreal. Um, I'm really excited to see what Lamar is going to do in this game. You know, I hate just sitting here and just laying points on home favorites. Uh, one of these, one of these underdogs is going to cover. I do not think it's going to be the Browns. I definitely think Philly has a better chance of covering than the Browns. I think the Ravens win this game handily. Um, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Mark Ingram, kind of a little resurgence now that he's really a featured back once again. He doesn't have Kamara breathing down his neck. They just have it. I think Harbaugh has it figured out. I think Harbaugh is a really good coach. Um, I, I know there's kind of a 50-50 split on that um, in the media. I like Harbaugh a lot. I do have some concerns about the Ravens' defense. It's not what it once was when they were you know, competing um, over the last 15, 20 years. They've had some great defenses. But the Browns got to figure this out, man. Their offense has so much talent. And they talked about it. The uh, commentators were talking about it on Monday night's game is when Baker gets rid of the ball, you know, two, two and a half seconds, and he does these quick releases that he was doing at Oklahoma, just getting the ball to his athlete in space, so much more successful than him trying to backpedal. And he's got a bad line, so it's not his fault, but he's trying to backpedal. He's trying to scramble out of the pocket and make these plays he can make in Oklahoma. But the dudes chasing him now are a lot faster than dudes in the Big 12. And he's just got to get rid of that ball quickly and trust Odell and trust Jarvis to go make those plays versus trying to do it on his own because he's going to get himself hurt and it's not going to be successful. 
But that's the thing about Baker that I really don't understand. He rolls out so fast. It's his absolute instinct. And sometimes whenever you dial up a draw, you got to run a draw. Now, I will say, I do not like Freddie Kitchens. I do not think he knows what he's doing. I think he's way in over his head. And, I, Jason, you can roll your eyes all you want at me. But when you have a fourth and nine and you call a quarterback draw, that's the wrong play. That's Dude, the that wrong formation play. Hold where on. you had OBJ and Landry stacked on top of each other was just ignorant. Hold on. That draw play was about to bust if it wasn't for Eric Weddle making the tackle yeah. of his life. Great you, play. You flip the cam around. There was that was a touchdown. It, it was it was mm. basically the same as if you were going to pass it, hey, you got to beat one guy to get the first down. It was the same deal there. But it, it was a I look. I love Freddie Kitchens. I think he's a great offensive mind. I do agree with you, J Mac. He's in way over his head. Going that, from a tight end coach to a head coach, and a big leap. They, they should have brought in someone who could help mitigate that. Um, but man, I, I yeah. do like Freddie as a coach. But to your point, and, and I said it last week, losing David Najuku kills this team. Freddie loves to run double tight, and now you're running double tight with one guy who wasn't even on an NFL roster a couple weeks ago. So you, you're having to adjust that in your game plan as well. It's Freddie fair. Kitchens. I, Freddie Kitchens is Jim Harbaugh of the NFL. That is not even, <laughs> I just no. think that whenever you get up in front of the media and you sit there and say, oh, well, I've got to learn from these things. When you're the head coach, you should have already learned that. So He's in over his head 100% there. I, I, I don't really know about his play calling, but I do know that things like that, uh, that was just not the right play call. And there's so many times where he just ran the same thing over and over and over. He, did, he made almost no adjustments during that game. And I just I didn't really understand what he was trying to accomplish there. Uh, one thing I did see, this made me laugh really hard. I don't put any stock in QBR. I just don't really like, like the, that stat. I don't think it really tells a whole lot. But this did make me laugh. If... Lamar were to go throw eight interceptions in a row, he'd still have a better QBR than Baker does. That's absurd. That's wild. That's absurd. There's an opportunity this weekend for that, J Mac. I would that love exact. it. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the seven points. I really do same. like what the Ravens did, but you know, we we saw kind of the up tempo offense give exactly issues with Arizona when they played Baltimore in Baltimore. Um, so I think there is that tendency. It's just going to be interesting. The Browns didn't run much up-tempo last week. Freddie Kitchens kind of spoke to it. They knew they had issues in the secondary. They knew they couldn't turn this into a shootout because they didn't have the weapons, which, to Kyle's point, they probably should have let up a lot more. Um, so it's going to depend on how they want to deal with this. Hopefully they get some guys back uh, because really the most effective way this team will be, as you mentioned, Kyle, is going to be the quick hitters, the up-tempo offense. So if Cleveland does get some help back in that secondary and they decide to flip that script, I think this could be a pretty interesting line for the plus seven, but also the over-under as well. So you're, you're taking the seven? Yeah, I'm going to take the Browns mm -hmm. at plus seven, absolutely. So you're taking two wow. two dogs in a row. I'm I'm laying two home favorites in a row, and I feel uh, I feel more confident about this one than I do Green Bay even. Same. That's This is – I play the seven, no problem. Only way that Cleveland can really cover that, not even win, just cover that, is they got to get after Lamar Jackson, and it starts with Miles Garrett, who is just an absolute beast and really coming into his own and living up to the the huge hype that he had. Uh, he destroyed the Jets. He's been kind of quiet outside of that. But well, he had yeah, that. Exactly. He had that. Uh, 
yeah, the strip strip sack that yeah, I was impressed he, by. Yeah, I got to see. I love Miles Garrett. Got to see more consistency, there. dude. Any, I just like bodybuilders that play football. Miles Garrett, Cleo Mack. I'm into he's it. A poet writer, chill. He's a weird dude. He <laughs> is not your typical guy. football player. <laughs> yeah, he's real strange. Well, uh, we'll stay in line with Kyle because I know he loves East Coast kicks at noon. They just factor in so much into the <laughs> both East Coast teams. We well, <laughs> head to the the surprising three and Buffalo Bills who welcome Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, who are a seven and a half point favorite in Buffalo. Over under a 42 and a half. And I'd say the more interesting betting line on this game that was just released is you can bet on whether there is a um, special device that you can find at adult only stores to be thrown onto the field. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, search, search Buffalo um, toy on field and I'm You'll sure it, it will pop up. But we're trying to keep this PG 13 children at home. <laughs> The best yeah, part is watching the PC of us. The best it is part is minus the, 140 for one of these toys to land on the field uh, uh, that look just like a microphone. And J Mac, are you more interested in the game itself or whether fans bring these toys into the stadium? I'm interested in both uh, for obvious reasons. I mean, I'm taking the Patriots <laughs> to lay the points here in this game, no problem. But I love, love watching the ref kick it off the field. That's the best it's part. Minus one forty. It's so minus is this a thing that happens in Buffalo on the field? Yeah, almost every year. Yeah. Okay. And does it typically happen against New England? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So, I'm, I'm going to get that involved in a money line parlay somewhere just to have that in the mix. I feel okay. like that's a, that's a fun thing. All right, we're going to uh, do it. I'm saying yes, is, though. This is a just a matchup. I'll let you talk about it, Justin. This is just a matchup you guys have dominated. And the Bills are 3-0. and I think they're maybe even a more fraudulent 3-0 and than the Packers. I think the Niners, the Packers, and the Bills are all worse than their record indicates, but the Bills might be the, the leader of that camp. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you here. I do. I think the Bills have shown some progress, though. I think great defense, great defense, quarterback situations looking a lot better, a lot more consistency yes. on the line. They haven't been terrible, but I think they really think they have a shot to go and beat a team who has yet to have allowed a defensive touchdown this year at all. The two touchdowns that they had against the Jets last week were offensive picks from Jared Stidham, and it just and, and then a strip uh, fumble. So like, it's not really. I just think the Patriots defense is so goddamn good. I've been saying it since before the season started. I went on view from the cheap seats and talked about it. Their defense is young. It's high flying. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna slow the Bills down a lot. I here. think you think the the pass D is the best in the NFL though. I know that's true. Uh, I don't think that's true. Wh- personally. Who, who's better? I think the Bears have a better defense. Mm. Their offense is just so terrible that they're on the field more often. They've had harder matchups already. I like their personnel a little more. Pats are definitely in that top, you know. One to four range for sure. I just I like the Bears a lot. Who else do you have in a one to four range? Well, yeah, and I'd probably put Pats too, but I, I definitely think you could throw Minnesota in the mix there. I think you could look at Green Bay. Um, I think those are in the Bills. Those would probably be my top five defense if I had to look at it right now. So you would take defenses that have allowed points versus one that hasn't. I mean, that, <laughs> the, that's why I said this to J Mac in thirty eight defensive drives the Patriots allowed zero touchdowns and one field goal and Jarrett Stidham has thrown more touchdowns to the other team than they've scored on the Patriots defense pretty good yeah yeah Jay Mack and I were all over this Patriots defense being much more improved than anyone thought in the offseason podcast which is why you got to listen to it you guys have to understand what's going on heading into the year you can't use last year's thoughts 
This this Correct. defense was much more improved. Bill's defense, to Cal's point, is absolutely elite. Uh, Tredavious White is a shutdown corner. Dude, that guy Levi might be Wallace. the best corner in the league. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it, and the funny part is Tredavious White, LSU kid, Levi Wallace, Bama kid, both yep. play at the same years. Both tra- so. <laughs> when you can get those two to get on the same page, you're doing something right. You got um, the depth. I yeah. love the Ed Oliver pick, which we talked about in the offseason podcast as well. I mean, put him next it. to Star Latulier, uh, very contrasting styles, which work well, actually, in this situation. Yeah, uh, you got, got a 60-pound difference there. 60-pound difference, but he absolutely can light you up getting into the backfield while I, Star can just plug that hole. So and Jerry Hughes has kind of come along nicely and settled in. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, I thought, was kind of a stretch when they took him. But he's played very well with uh, Lorenzo Alexander. Yeah, where did, uh, and, where did he come from, Edmonds? He's outside. Uh, Vod Tech. Vod Tech, that's yeah. right. Him, yeah. and, him and his brother played at Vod Tech. Uh, and then brother. Hughes is my man from TCU. Yeah, and, and Tremaine Edmonds is the kid who came out at 19 years old, for yeah. goodness sakes. Pretty good. I mean, that's he's wild. 21 years old. and been a two-year starter in the NFL. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, um, Doug McDermott, one of the better coaches in the NFL. I absolutely love him. Doesn't get the deserve. And Josh Allen's just been steadily progressing. I mean, the end of last year looked fantastic. They brought in Cole Beasley, which people will laugh at, but he's exactly what they needed. A guy who can catch those dump downs. He's a five to six yard hero. Yep. Um, yeah. They just got to get somebody at the X. Like they need an elite receiver for Josh Allen. Cause I think, I think he's an, a franchise quarterback. He's starting to look like it. I, I think he is. I think he's getting there too. And John Brown does stretch the field in ways that he needs to be stretched. I'm not a big Zay Jones fan. Um, I need to see about Singletary's health because I love him and Frank Gore together. I think he's. Um, out. I'm pretty you know, sure he's Cody out. Cody Ford. What's up? I th- I'm pretty sure Mike Singletary's out this week. I'm looking. Keep, keep going. Uh, Devin, Devin Singletary. Singletary or Devin? Excuse me, Mike. Singletary. Mike Singletary's definitely out. This yeah, week. he's definitely out this week. My yeah, bad. We're not worried about that. Um, you know, but something interesting to monitor. You know, Tyler Croft, their starting tight end, is hurt. So Dawson Crocs is going to get a look. He had a nice game last week, but you know, Cody Ford settling in nice at right tackle. Mitch Morse loved him at center. Again, the guy that we talked about in the offseason podcast came over from Kansas City. Guy Patrick Mahomes did not want to lose, and he settled in with Josh Allen beautifully. And having a great center quarterback combination is huge, especially with a guy who should be doing some QB sneaks, just being able to fall forward. So um, the line's interesting. Seven and a half at home, not implied that they'd be about a 13, 14 point favorite if this game was at Foxborough, which know, seems like a lot for two elite defenses, especially with an over under at 42. Um, are you guys interested in the over under more or the spread? Spread. I'm laying the points no problem, but that's that's not shocking, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm laying those points, but I, I actually like the under here a little bit. Um, you know, I think yeah. weather will probably be a factor here. And I think, you know, to to the points we've just made, the past defense haven't given up a touchdown. That might end this week, maybe, but I don't see the Bills scoring more than like 14 points here. Like this definitely feels like a, a, a 27 10 27 13 kind of game so I would I would love the under this definitely falls into the uh, the teaser teaser mix for me here where you can get pats down to a point or, or maybe half a point which is essentially a pick them maybe bump bump the uh, the over or excuse me the under up a little bit I think that's a good play yeah I love the first half under here um I when I'm going unders in the NFL I just want the first half I don't want to deal with 20 yeah. points in the final two minutes and yeah um both teams that like to rely heavily on the run game. Um, you know, the Patriots, though they have hummed early, are not a team that traditionally really gets moving till the second half, and that's just because they don't care or have to. They're not going to put anything on film. 
They don't want you to know what they're going to do. And this just seems like a Sony Michelle heavy game, which yeah. they gave them a pretty light workload to this point because they haven't needed to use them yet. They've let Rex Burkhead eat up, you know, when they're up by 20 to 30 points. Um, so I think this is going to be a game plan that's going to be heavy on the run game of Singletary's back on both sides. And then the second half, certainly we could see some points as we move. But if it's 10 to 3 at half, I, I'm not going to be shocked at all. So yeah, I absolutely no. love the 21 and a half for the for the first half. And again, some weather in the forecast, monitor it. It, it could be a bigger factor. So I love the first half under here. Fair enough. Well, we're going to move to more of a primetime slate here. The Minnesota Vikings, a 2-1 and one team that almost could be 3-0 and oh if Kirk Cousins <laughs> didn't <laughs> turn into a pumpkin every time he pick. hits into a big situation. He heads on the road to face Chicago, who's a two-point favorite that squeaked down a couple wins outside of taking Washington to the woodshed on Monday Night Football. And the lowest over under the week, 38-and-a-half. J-Mac, I know you are a Trubisky believer, What's your thoughts? Yeah, so I think this is going to be a hell of a game, and this is going to be this is going to be a week of test games for a lot of teams, and especially yep. given it's a divisional matchup, all that. I think the thirty-eight and a half is really interesting. I, I mean, you're looking at two elite defenses, really and truly. But I like the the Bears defense more, but that doesn't really matter here. I would be really interested to know what the halves look like here. And Bears minus two. I mean, we just saw Mitch have a pretty good game the other night, and I think. We, Kyle and I talked about this, I think, a little bit earlier in the week where it kind of feels like one of those things where Mitch may end up kind of doing the Jay Cutler thing where you you kind of see like this huge progression. It feels like, all right, we're on the right track. And then you see a couple of ducks and then you get kind of another one of those games. It's like, all right, we're, we're rolling here a little bit. We're just got to get some momentum going. He's still got some issues to fix. I feel like Matt Nagy calls way too conservative of a game plan sometimes. And I feel like that's what's gotten in their way at times. And it, that wasn't really what he did last year, so it's a little bit confusing. It seems like they've gotten the run game going and more incorporated into this, which is a concern we had at the beginning of the year for sure, that they really weren't doing. On the other side of this, I just we all know how I feel about this Vikings defense. I, uh, excuse me, offense uh, led by your boy Kirk. I just I don't trust him, and I, I give me the Bears here. I think, but it's it's virtually a pick'em. Is this in? It's in Chicago, right? It's in Chicago. Yeah. Okay, so it's virtually a pick'em. I mean, you J Mac, J Mac. It, it is not a noon kickoff, though. These oh, guys are going at you know three twenty-five. I mean, these are Central hey, Time Jason, Zone guys. Going this is a Central Time Zone. J Mac, is this going to mess up their mental clock? I mean, yes. Are you concerned about the game time? Yes, it's outdoors. We're, They're we're both in the Central Time Zone. I am a hundred percent confident, Jason, that. There is more evidence and more statistics to back up West Coast teams playing at noon on the East Coast versus any kind of weather conditions. All right, let's not, oh, I, let's I agree, but I'm having fun with you. You know, the nice part about this J-Mac is it is a 325 kick, which will give Shane Bouchelle time to get after his Saturday game, True. take the Sunday morning flight out to Chicago and get there by kick. So good I think point. that's a good good thing, right? It's a quick right flight. Out. It's a quick flight. Fuck you guys, man. <laughs> it's a quick flight. <laughs> Yeah, what are, you, um, what are you guys' thoughts on this game? I, I'm taking my boys here, man. Y'all know how high I am on the Vikings. I trust Kirk more than I trust Mitch Trubisky, and that is saying a lot because I text Justin. I said I trust uh, Kirk Cousins about as much as a, uh, a homeless crackhead with an American Express black card. I do not trust that man to win you a game. I think he's going to get in a lot of trouble if they get down early because that they're basically the Bears are just going to pin their ears back and just unleash the pass rush at them, and that offensive line is – it's a decent 
run blocking team, but it's a terrible pass protection team. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want to see here, if you're a Vikings fan, is Kirk Cousins throw 40 balls again. Um, you want to see happen. Cook get 20, 25 touches, get uh, you know Alexander Madison a few touches. He's looked pretty good. Um, I think Jason and I like him a lot. I think this is a game that's going to come down to game plan. Either team can win. It's just going to be who has the better game plan. Breaking news, that's generally true. But these are pretty even teams, um, constructed relatively similarly. Chicago's a way better offensive line to protect Mitch. Um, that being said, it's two points. I'm, I'll take the two points. Um, I would love to get a field goal, but I'm going to take the two here and trust Alvin Cook and uh, the running game. That's fair. Look, I've said this about the Vikings and the ops. I, I sound like a beaten horse saying this on every team, but um, the Vikings are going to beat teams that they can run the ball against and teams they can't, they're going to really struggle because they, they are not willing to budge. They are not the Patriots. They're not going to scheme schematically against your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Zimmer's going to show up. He's still going to run the ball. They're facing a top five run defense this week. That's yes. an issue for this team. Correct. Because yes. they're still going to try to pound Dalvin Cook into a brick wall. This offensive line is not dramatically improved to last year. And they suddenly, I don't get the Kyle Rudolph situation either. They are going to cut him. They extended him. He's playing less and less. He had one target last week. Then you have a nightmare matchup in Irv Smith out of Bama that you drafted, but you refuse to put him on the field or give him looks. So I just don't know what the Vikings thought is. They Stephon Diggs has basically been isolated in this offense. So I think it's just going to turn into what we saw last year when they went to Chicago. They're going to run into brick walls. They're going to get down. Um, and to your point, Kyle, that Chicago's be able to pin their ears back in the second half. I, I just, I mean, unless there's one or two plays where Dalvin Cook can just take over and break it loose, I mean, I just don't see Zimmer being able to make those adjustments. I hope he proves me wrong because I think sure. Minnesota is more talented, and I'm not a Trubisky believer. Everything he does is one to two looks. He does so many rollous where there's only two receivers going to that side. So if it's not there, he tucks it and runs or throws it away. And frankly, that's all Nagy's comfortable with doing. And that works yep. versus a team like Washington, but that's not going to work versus Zimmer defense either to an extent. So it's going to be a field, you know, it's just going to be a great divisional game. You got to play field position, all your things. Your John Madden, you know, comments, football players play football. The team that scores more points is going to win the game. It sounds stupid, but unless Minnesota is willing to adjust, willing to not just run into brick walls, willing to not be a hardball and actually make the adjustments early on, I just don't see how they can beat the Bears on the highway. Primetime 325 kick, huge deal here. So um, I'm going to take the Bears in the minus two just because I haven't seen Zimmer adjust in his career enough at Minnesota to really trust that he's going to move away from just pounding the rock into a brick wall versus a run defense that they can't get past. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that analysis. It's that's yep. going to be a good game, but it's going to be low scoring. This 38 and a half is going to be pretty dead on. It really is. With, with, with two horrible kickers, too. I mean, these yeah. are two franchises who have no luck with kickers. And so, I, I mean, even if they get into field goal range, you're not feeling comfortable. So, yeah, I, I mean, barring both defenses getting touchdowns, which they're very capable of. That's the scary uh, part. True. This could and be special a very, teams. It's another game I'm looking first half under. You wish you could get to 20. That's a yeah. huge key number. After you're moving down past that, you know, 18 What's and a half, it at? Is it 19? Yeah, it's a 38 and a half over under. You're probably looking at 18 and a half, 19, Ugh. depending where yeah, you look. Tough. So that's yeah. one where, like, on paper, it totally makes sense that it would go under. But 
Mm. I'm staying away from the under there just because, like you said, I mean, a pick six from Trubisky or or Cousins is very realistic or a fumble, you know, on their own 20. That could definitely happen. We've seen it. Exactly. So I'm I'm uh, I'm taking Bears minus two. Um, Kyle, you're taking the Vikings plus two. J-Mac, where are you heading? I'm going with the Bears minus two. Easy. Wonderful. Just assume I'm taking the Vikings every time. I want to announce the last game of the week since it's personal to both of you guys. And we have kind of an announcement with it. Uh, Last game of the week, huge game, Cowboys at Saints. Cowboys are three and a half point favorites with an over-under of 47. We are also doing a live stream of this game. Kyle Beats and I are going to be watching it. So you can tune in. You can hear the live commentary. Maybe just a second or two behind, but you'll get to hear the live reactions. We're going to be talking. JB, I think you're going to join in if you get uh, get a chance, if you you have a few minutes. But uh, we're going to really excited to do another live stream. This will be probably one of the last ones until uh, baseball playoffs are over with. JB, I'll throw to you to start. How are you feeling about this game? Yeah, it, it, Cal and I were talking about this off air to start. The lines move just today itself yeah. down to Cowboys minus two and a half. So I apologize. I put in the notes. So that's not J Max's fault. I put in the notes three and a half. Oh, that's what it was up till tonight. Um, wow. You know what? Th- this is it, it's easy to see why, you know, people will be excited about both sides. You know, it's America's team. It's a Sunday night kick. I think the Cowboys will have plenty of action on them. You also have the revenge factor, New Orleans at home. Once you turn on the TV, it's easy to get behind that crowd noise, Sean Payton. And they looked good last week. They destroyed the Seahawks, but it was a team I mentioned last week. I loved the the Saints. Too much value. The Seahawks were completely overvalued. They beat two garbage teams barely. Um, I really love the Cowboys here, especially at minus two and a half. I think it's a great line. It's one of the better teams in the NFL. It's the only yep. team that returned all 22 starters from the year before. Um, if you haven't seen Kellen Moore uh, in his play calling yet, you need to tune it on. And they match up terrifically well versus the Saints team. I mean, Kamara will pretty much be very limited. Uh, we have a linebacking crew that will prevent him from moving out of the backfield. Um, outside of Michael Thomas, they don't have another passing option, uh, which Byron Jones will be able to remove. Um, and I like Teddy, but I don't love him in this spot either. And the offensive line struggled. I, I don't want to dive too deep into this because I think this is just a complete mismatch. The, the line tells you what you need to. I think the Saints really had an all-in effort last week, which you see sometimes with an injury. We talked about it. They stayed on the West Coast. The team knew they had a win. It was a must win to get to 2-1. and one. Um, I'm not saying it's a letdown spot because it is at home in prime time, but the Cowboys will be ready. I have no doubt about that. And I just think they have too much firepower without, you know, Drew Brees in the lineup for the saints. And I just think they match up extremely well. And that's what they did. We saw that last year, Kyle, right? We saw that when they shut them down last year on Thursday night football. Yep. That's exactly right. And I was at that game 13, 10 with my boy from new Orleans. And that was just magical. And that's when I really started believing in this defense. There was a few hits in that game uh, with Jalen and Van Der Esch on Kamara that were just like, wow. And, uh, and you hit the nail on the head. Kamara will, he's a great back. He's still going to get his yards. He's, he's still a must start in fantasy, things like that. But with Jalen and Van Der Esch's speed and ability to read plays uh, at, at really an all pro level, he's going to be limited with Michael Thomas. Like you said, you put Byron on him, you put the safety over the top. I'll live in one-on-one situations with, you know, Traquan or, or Ted Ginn and guys of that, that nature, the pass rush is going to get after Teddy. Uh, I think if, you know, you're a casual fan and you just glanced at that score and you said, Oh man, the saints look great with Teddy. They're fine. They didn't look that good. They didn't they had like 280, 300 yards of offense that de- the defense had some big plays. Um, they're beneficiary of just some, some kind of fluky things happening. 
I don't read into that too much. And I don't, I don't think Seattle is that good anyways. And they got exposed. So, you know, this line, a lot of people have said it seems crazy because New Orleans is a great home crowd, as you alluded to, you know, Cowboys being a favorite going in there. And you look at it and say they'd probably be an eight-point favorite at home. I don't think that's crazy with Teddy Bridgewater running things. If Drew Brees was in this game, the Cowboys would be getting a field goal. Uh, see, my take on here is actually kind of the other side. I'm taking the other side of this. I'm taking the Saints and the points because and I'm simply because simply because I trust Sean Payton over anything on the Cowboys staff. That's what it, this comes down to. I, I wouldn't go out, out there and say he's the best coach in the league by any stretch. Right, right. I, I definitely wouldn't say that. I love Sean Payton as a coach. Though. I do too. If, if you have, if, take Bill Belichick out of the equation for me, Sean Payton's probably number two for me. No doubt about it. I think he's a great offensive mind. I, 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 I love his look at defense too. And I just think, uh, the Cow- I don't think the Cowboys are overlooking this game by any stretch of the imagination. I think they overlooked Miami a little bit in the first half last week. 100%. Just kind of ready to go, but they turned it on like they needed to. I knew they were going to take care of business. It started slow. It figured it itself out. I have no no problems with that. I think the Cowboys have skated on some... I- I'm not saying that they don't- they've deservedly win ev- won every single game they've played so far, but these have been really bad teams. I think this is going to be a great matchup for both of these sides. I, I think the line's a little bit crazy being you know, in the favor of the Cowboys on the road, I think it's probably, in my mind, more of a pick em. But I get where you're coming from with Teddy, and that's probably where the biggest difference is here. And if you had Drew Brees, this line would be very different. It, it would. And a few things there is, I think Belichick theory here uh, for Cowboys last week, I don't think they wanted to put too much on tape. They knew they were going to beat the Dolphins. You just got to take care of business. You know, I don't I don't think they were doing anything too fancy in the first half. It was pretty vanilla. For a minute, I thought Scott Linehan was back. But... The best way to take away a great home crowd like the Saints do have is to just pound the rock and just kill yeah. the team spirit. And the Cowboys offensive line and Zeke can't do that. And this is going to be Zeke's breakout game. Everybody's waiting for it. They've definitely been holding him back for these three cupcake games to open the, uh, the season with. I see Zeke going for 100 plus and a, t- and a TD here easily. My only concern for the Cowboys is points per game. They look pretty good because they played three terrible offenses. But they've given up a lot of yards. They've truly been a been a bend don't break, which has been a kind of a theme for this defense for a while. That does scare me. But holding the Saints to field goals on some of these longer drives is going to be crucial. And the other part of that, so I'll say the other side of that too is it's almost the same logic for Alvin Kamara. He's been relatively quiet the first three weeks. I think they're going to have to lean on him a lot more. Big game week two, but yeah, yeah. overall, yeah, I think they're going to have to lean on him a lot more here, and I think that's going to be a huge differentiator. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, I'm laying the points. I don't think it's going to be close. Kyle's laying it. J-Max going the other way. But, you know, that, that's why we're here, to agree to disagree. But we'll come here. Cowboys will be 4-0 heading on uh, the Packers next week. But we're excited. All right. Let's do picks well, of the week. for the, the final segment, I know some of you probably scrolled to the end of the podcast just to get to the best bets opportunity. Kind of an update. Uh, hit a little bit of a skid. You know, Kyle and I went both 1-1 one one on our picks and then 0-2 uh, on the dogs. J-Mac did hit on his uh, big money line uh, promise of the San Francisco 49ers, who uh, statistically not great. A, uh, that was a weird game. We won't yeah, get too deep. That was into, a wildly uh, terrible game. <laughs> uh, I mean, when you when you throw like two picks in your end of the field and are only down six nothing, you kind of take that as a, a nice sign. But we move forward. We do not look back. We Kyle and I are nine and three with our best bet selections. Two and two on the underdogs. Um, let's start with college football. Kyle beats. Do you have a pick for us this week for college football? 
I do, and I'm I'm hoping to get get it turned around here. We've been on fire in the NFL, been seeing it really clear. As we talked about earlier in the pod, college football is just more difficult. You don't see all these teams play as much as the NFL teams. That being said, staying in the Big 12 again, uh, which was not a great call last week, I'm laying the four points for the Oklahoma State uh, against Kansas State. They are Oklahoma State's at home. They're coming off a tough game, a uh, tough loss to Texas. The score was probably closer, indicates it was closer than it really was. I like Oklahoma State's offense. Kansas State had a big, you know, win against Mississippi State. I don't care about that too much. I don't think that's a great win. I like Oklahoma State to win this by a touchdown, so I'm laying the four points at home. Fair enough. Um, I do not football. know what time the kickoff is. That that we we we'll will we will let the listeners find that one. Well, a game that we previewed and a game I'm pretty bullish on. I'm going to take the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wow, plus seventeen. Wow, minus one ten. Widely available. Um, I wouldn't wait on this. I'm not saying that it's. You want that seventeen? That's kind of a key number. Yes. Uh, sixteen and a half down to fourteen doesn't really do much for you. Why? So get the seventeen while you can. Again, I think the weather's going to be a little bit of a factor. I love Adrian Martinez, Scott Frost, first big game uh, for them at home, and then Ryan Day heading on the highway, Justin Fields. I think there could be some jitters. As I mentioned, maybe sprinkle some on the first half, split that up, and get plus 10. But I love what we're seeing out of the Cornhuskers uh, heading into this game. So is that your dog pick as well? You, you no, no, no. Well, okay. dog, no, I dog. Like I'll it. give you a nice money your, line on that. That's just your straight up. Yeah. Taking the 17, I like it. I will say, guys, if you're going to tease that game, because I think there's some teaser potential for Nebraska there, because um, I think they could get some garbage time touchdowns, do the full seven. Get yourself 24. Don't do 23 and a half. But I like that. I like that pick. It's a, a ballsy pick, Jason. J-Mac, you got a college, uh, anything floats your boat in the college spectrum? Yep, sure does. I'm going to take the other side of that for the sake of rivalry and fun. I think they're going to cover <laughs> the 17 and a half points, though. I really do. That that Ohio State offense has been flying the last couple weeks. So, yeah, feel good about it. Great. I'm glad you feel great about it. We'll text about it uh, Saturday night. All right. Uh, Kyle Beach, we're going to end the NFL. Uh, I know we've talked about a lot of games. We've texted about some off air. I know you hate the Carolina Panthers, but where are you heading at this weekend? Yeah, so I'll, I'll admit, as the, although we've been hot on the NFL, my brain was all over the place for this week's slate. I could not make up my mind, but I wanted to come to you guys with a pick. Uh, we've been doing very, very well in the NFL. Uh, I started – this week thinking I was going to take the Texans. That line just smells weird to me. I don't know what the Kyle Allen situation is going on. I don't – the Texans just make games too close for for my comfort. The four-and-a-half-five makes me nervous, four, whatever it is. So I'm staying away there, and I'm uh, transitioning over to the Indianapolis Colts at home. I'm going to lay six-and-a-half. Uh, I would not lay the full touchdown. I love the six-and-a-half. Uh, I'm going to lay that they're at home against the Oakland Raiders. I like what Jacoby Brissett's doing. I think the Raiders, you know, they win that game week one. People think, oh, they're going to be better than we thought. No, this team is exactly what we thought they were going to be. Uh, I, I'm laying that six and a half all day. Wow. All right. Well, Oakland Raiders, they want to get Josh Jacobs more involved. I will smile at that, but we will see. Yep. Um, NFL should come as a shock. Another game we previewed. I love the under in the first half for uh, the Patriots and Bills. Again, I just think. I'm with We're you not going to not going to see much at either one. Two elite defenses. Honestly, the over under if this was probably a month or two from now in colder weather, it'd be 37. So I think we're getting a little bit of value here. Uh, you can get 21 and a half widely available. 
after it gets under that, you just kind of gets mucked up. So I like 21 and a half. I like 21. I like 20 and a half. You know, don't, don't tweet us if you're got a question. If you don't get it now, don't, don't wait till Sunday at 1159 because yep. people are just getting up at that point in the day. Yeah. So the I, weather can change. Before, yeah. Anything before noon. It's like 3 a.m. on the West Coast, man. Oh, my gosh. Can you even imagine the people in Hawaii trying to trying to wake up to watch a game? Oh, my God. That's legitimately a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's different. Um, J-Mac, right. where are you heading? So my lock of the week, we've actually already talked about it a little bit. I'm taking the Ravens over Cleveland to lay the points with no problems here. I think this... Baltimore team, I mean, regardless, we all watched that Kansas City-Baltimore game last week. It was, I mean, it didn't really feel reflective. The final score didn't really feel reflective of what really happened in that game. But I I like Lamar, man. I just, I like Lamar a lot, and I think he's doing a lot with a little. He he is one of the most disciplined QBs, young quarterbacks in the, in the league right now. And, I mean, people have been questioning, you know, whether he should be a receiver and should he be a quarterback. He has absolutely proven everybody wrong that thought he should be a receiver. Dude, his, his accuracy has improved greatly. It's incredible. And so, uh, and he also knows when to run, too. So I love that about him. I'm taking the Ravens here. It's 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 an easy bet. So you're, that you're laying the full touchdown there, Absolutely. Right? Okay, and we're so we're we're once again, guys. We're seven and one overall, two and two on the dogs. We're no, gonna we're start. N- we're 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 nine and three overall. Oh, seven and one coming into the week. My right. apologies. Yes, two and two, and so the dogs wise, we did move to two and two. Kyle Beach, you got a dog for me this week? Who's barking? I do, I do, and I do want to say real quick. We're so we nine and three. I want to involve J Mag now that he's picking consistently with us on these. So what we're gonna you know hold him accountable week. for his pick starting this week for you guys. Uh, for the dogs, I am staying in the NFL. And I'm loading up on the uh, guy that's been in the most memes this week, Gardner Minshew. I'm going plus three at Denver. I can tell Jason loves this pick. Not worried about Mile High Stadium. Not worried about the effects. These guys are conditioned enough by the fourth game. I'm, I'm, I'm trusting Gardner Minshew over Joe Flacco. Look, this is a team they're facing in Denver Broncos, which I talked about last week. It was a stay-away game for me with the Broncos and Packers because I needed to see if the Broncos had any fight left in them. They do. Uh, just quite quite frankly, they do. Um, Jacksonville is being way overvalued here, minus three. I love the Broncos, but uh, – No, they're plus – Jacksonville is plus three. I know, and I love the Broncos oh, minus okay, three. okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Sure well, we, I'm disagreeing for all the listeners. I'm headlining. Kyle and I go head to head here. Um, okay. Just like my, Michigan, Wisconsin. Easy Shane Bouchelle. Come on. Um, <laughs> Come on. The, Killing for us the both dog here. of the week for me, I'm heading to a team that you just on uh, primetime get slaughtered. I'm going to take the Washington Redskins plus three in a division game as they head on the road to the New York Giants. See, I think we have a letdown spot with Daniel Jones. Yeah, and I like that. Um, I think Case Keenum and Jay Gruden, kind of a must win for them. Gruden, Gruden's coaching for his job at this point. You go on four. For sure. Uh, and it's tough uh, Case Keenum's playing for his job in his career. He's got a he, – he's pretty much one interception away, I think, from Haskins coming See, in here. That fumble on fourth down was just – So bad. Uh, <laughs> it was the worst But you know what? This is – the NFL is interesting. You know, you got to sell a team one week and buy them the next. So right. I, I'm going to buy in on the Redskins. Uh, I like the money line plus one fifty. I'm I'm grabbing that into tight division battle. All right. So for my dog of the week, Jason, you're gonna love this. I'm taking the Carolina Panthers and the yes. points here over yes. Houston. I think hungry dogs have got to eat here. I think Kyle Allen's hungry. I like what he's doing. He looked really really good last week. I actually looked back at passer rating numbers and. 
in the last game, he had a 144.3. The last time that Cam had that passing rating was in December. It was December 13th, 2015, during his MVP season. When his shoulder hurt. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, can we get can we get production to rewind this episode? Yes. J Mac quoting that he hates QBR, but then he just quoted a passer rating. I take passer rating over QBR any day because it's not an all around stat. I'm just saying I like what Kyle Allen's doing, trying to fill some of those shoes. You know what? I love the pick. I hate the Texans. <laughs> I I fade them when I need to. They're a team that's very easy to understand, just like the Vikings when they will and will not have success. Love the Panthers plus five years. Well. All I'm saying is I picked the Texans to win their division. You picked the Panthers, and I'm feeling much better about about the Texans doing that. I I don't I don't like that pick at all, but I respect it. I, it's one thing we can agree on is Riverboat Ron versus Bill o- O'Brien is a shit show. God, that is. is a that is a I, I don't love Ron as a coach, but any time Bill O'Brien's facing ninety percent of NFL coaches, it is a mismatch as hell. Yep. We so, need we need to find an over under on just bad decision ma- made by coaches in this game because it's going to be very high. Poor poor clock management to to be seen and for sure in that game. Well, perfect. We have nine best bets for you guys. We're going to release an extra one on Twitter. Uh, I know I will on uh, Saturday, whether it's college or NFL. Uh, we may have some more as well. So please check the page. Um, uh, J Max going to get us out of here. Tell you where you can find those picks. Absolutely. I'll, I'll make sure to get some out too. We want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. That's sensibly loud media on Facebook and at sensibly loud on Twitter and Instagram as well. We'll put those picks out there for you guys. Another reminder, we will have the live stream for the Cowboys Saints game. We will be live just before kickoff. That'll be YouTube on our Facebook page and on uh, Periscope. So make sure to uh, rate, review, subscribe, and make sure to uh, subscribe to the pod as well. We also want to make sure you guys uh, are getting the word in as well. We want to hear if you guys are pissed off at our picks or or what. So make sure to give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. That number is 972-885-9361. We're getting out of here. We'll see you guys next week.